where do you go to find authenticity and truth? Nobody wants to talk about the skeletons in their closet, the nitty gritty, or the failures, all of which I believe are the most important parts of anybody's story of success. This is a place where we say what nobody else is saying. Truth with Tara, welcome to the fold. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Truth with Tara. Today is episode two of Talking Shop with amazing producer extraordinaire, Mr. Blake Kanika. For those of you guys who missed last week, Blake is a producer, a musician, a songwriter, and even a singer. He has done records for and with Kanye West for King and Country. He has been featured in movies like Unplanned. The list goes on and on. He's traveled all over the world playing and producing music with the best of the best. Blake, thank you so much for coming back. You're so welcome. So happy to be here. Yay. So guys, last episode, I asked you at the end, who does Blake sound like? What actor does he sound like? And I'm I'm saying he sounds just like Keanu Reeves. Just say something, Blake. You know, I went to the Matrix (laughs) opening night and I fell asleep because the movie was it was a Friday night and I went with my high school friends and we waited in line outside, did all that stuff, and then we got in the movie and I fell asleep. That and, is the biggest fail. And I love The Matrix in a very distant way, but I need, maybe after this conversation, I'll go watch so I know what you're talking about. You're going to be like, oh, that's my voice in the movie the whole time. Maybe that's why you fell asleep because you lulled yourself to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was it. You're like, this is all too familiar. I, for like the first, guys, when I met Blake, like, it was a phone conversation first. And I was introduced to him because my coach, Michael McIntyre, who I love and adore, and I've been on his podcast as well. Um, he happens to be the father-in-law of Blake. So yes. Blake's beautiful wife, Brittany, is Michael McIntyre's daughter. And that's how I was connected to Blake. And so I was connected to him and I was on the phone and the, the I'm very sensitive to like tones and timbres. And I've, I first heard you say hello. And when I knew your voice, I also knew that you were supposed to be the producer that worked on this project just by the sound of your hello. I hadn't even heard any of his stuff, guys. It's just by the sound of his voice. And I didn't know why. And as you started talking, like, who does this guy sound like? It's driving me insane. And then out of nowhere, you were talking and I was like, Keanu Reeves. I think I interrupted you and said that. And you're like, I've never heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) I I forget that I have a low voice because, you know, you just get used to your Yourself. To your own sound, yeah. And um, and then some people randomly will just be shocked, like step back from me, like I just said hello, you know. Yeah, you don't look like you sound at all. You're one of those people, guys. Blake is like a tall, <laughs> thin framed white man who <laughs> just doesn't look this deep boy. I don't know. It's funny. You should be on the Voice. They would turn their chairs and be shocked. Wow. Yeah. Wow. See. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. So you're the expert. And would I be a baritone or a bass? Here's the thing, and this is what a lot of people get wrong. You can't always tell what someone is by their speaking voice. And you're a perfect example of that, actually, because I've heard you sing. I, I don't really think you're either. You're t- you're, you're based, your vocal classification is based on your tonality, not your range. Okay? So, like, just because your voice, your vocal tone intonation when you're speaking is very deep. But when you do scratch vocals for me on the mic, you're all up here. Yeah, <laughs> eh, eh, eh. You're, like, so tenor, tenified. <laughs> so, I don't know. I would say, I would say you, you err on, like, 
you've got some tenor stuff in you too, not just bass. But I don't think baritone. I yeah, don't I don't know. It's a mystery. I'm sure you can hit those low notes, but again, it's about the timbre of your voice, not necessarily the range. Because people would say say to me, because I'm a coloratura in opera and I can sing super high whistle notes, that I would be a, like, you know, yes, in opera I'm a coloratura, but in in like any other normal classification, I'd be a soprano. But that's not true because when I sing, and and even when I speak, when I when I sing, my there's more texture, there's more uh, width and depth to my voice than the thin, airy, bird-like quality yes. of soprano. And so a lot, and a lot of people get that wrong. So um, yeah, I don't buy that you're technically either of those things. I I think maybe tenor. Kind of like a lower tone. No way. Yeah. That is, yeah, I don't know. Sing, sing something in the mic so that people can understand. Da da da. But like you. That like would you, be a baritone. Yeah, because you're now you're not adding your. Da da da. That's. See, I I can't do like the barbershop bass stuff like that. I, mean, I guess I can. I know. Do what you did today. Do. The, da, 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 da. Yeah, but even in your chest voice with the breathiness that you were doing. Da. Or in a different key, maybe. The more I think about it, the more I really feel like a, an, a, you know, orphan vocalist without a range. <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't know. It really feels like whatever the idea is, I just, I just use my voice to get the idea out. Like, it's been so cool the way you interpret, interpret some of my mumblings, as we call them. Yes, your musings. Yeah, cause, and sometimes I just, I just imagine the other person's voice and maybe that gets me the inspiration maybe because to get to get to the range i need to be listen guys blake says the weirdest things like just these words he was ah, nah. today we were writing and this literally ended up in a song it it's <laughs> literally ended up in a song he was like it didn't sound that good <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. and literally the the words are now you are not ordinary you are one extraordinary and then the song goes on but i mean his his weird little holy spirit musings are what get me through and inspired to actually write concrete things so um so yeah guys we've been in this process we digress of of uh, of writing and i want to talk to you a little bit about that today um because it's worthwhile. And, and a lot of you guys who are listening, you're fans, but you're also singers or songwriters. And maybe you've never been in a recording studio or maybe you haven't and you haven't had amazing experiences or maybe you have. I don't know. But I want to tell you a little bit about what we've got going on um, and see if you can learn from what we share. So um, I came to Blake originally with a bunch of music. And we listened through to all of them. And the, the idea was to pick three songs to release as singles. Um, so that I could introduce this new record label that I'm starting called Red Pill Records in 2022 um, with me as the first breakout artist. And I was going to release three singles. So I came to, I don't know, with what, like nine, ten songs, Blake. And these songs had already been curated down from like 50. I have hundreds and hundreds of songs. And we listened to them. And we picked three, but then Blake said the most brilliant and amazing thing that I so appreciate. And he was like, in his neo voice he was like you know i really like these songs a lot i feel like we should go fish and i was like what do you mean go fish and he's like i feel like we should go fish to see what we can create together <laughs> and and kind of co-write instead of just let me produce the songs that you've come come to me with that are already fully completed and i'm totally always down for that but i'm 
a little scared because a lot of times I'll be sorry to say that most times actually when I songwrite in the past, the idea is great. But then when push comes to shove, I'm in the room kind of shouldering like 90% of the writer's burden. And not only am I splitting ownership of the song, but I'm doing most of the work and finding myself frustrated and kind of creatively um, exhausted. Um, but I always have hope. And you came highly recommended and you work with some pretty baller people. So I was like, yeah, I think he's going to be great. And we sat down. We had two sessions of going fish and we even had micro go fish within the go fish, <laughs> <laughs> which means we tried to beat certain things that we already had in a new song with something even better. And um, and it's been a dream, guys. It's been amazing. He's honestly the first person I've ever co-written with where I can say with full conviction and integrity, it is an even split of cohesive creativity and wow. that's so nice yeah it's so refreshing Praise god that is a blessing it is for me particularly <laughs> yeah i've always looked at those um like an adele song like hello you know and it's like her and greg kirsten mm -hmm. you know and she sings it they both write it and he produces it yeah and i've always thought that was such a cool thing but inevitably when you're a part of things like freaking country or you know getting to work you know kind of all over kanye's world um which I have not had a Kanye credit yet. That should be clarified. I've worked on his stuff, but I've not had um, a version of something that I've made that's gone out yet. So hoping for that. Yes. Hoping for that in the future. But um, For sure. But I, there's something so cool about that, just working with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you literally don't need 10 people writing a song, even though sometimes that's cool too. Um, and it's so true. We can sit in here and it's very different complementary giftings. And you have. So I, I love working with artists that really know what they want. Mm. and what they're chasing and who they are and and how they see the world and um and so it's been it's been amazing to kind of put your your own life story into these songs because it is so potent and it is so realized and uh i'm really excited it's gonna be i remember you came and you said you wanted to do something really poppy and that that got me really excited and i think we're we're well on our way to yes something that feels really special and euphoric in that way absolutely euphoric is a great word for that and and i i am so excited about these three songs because they do hit home and i never intended them to in this way and what i so appreciate about you blake is that you create the atmosphere and sort of even just non-verbally give me the permission to go there you know in, in a deep way, but not an overthought way. And because I can tend to overthink things. And there have been so many times, guys, in these last three days and in the last session, the other three days where, you know, Blake's so supportive and he's just like, no, no, that one's good. And I'm like, yeah, but that one word, he's like, yeah, but we could fix it later and micro go fish, but I really think that's it. And when I second guess myself, I know that he's not just yesing me to get through it because if anybody is more neurotic actually than I am when it comes to creating music it's Blake Kanika <laughs> but so I know he's not yesing me to get it over with but he and but so when he gives me his yes I can trust that it's because it's the better choice and that also is something that I've not really been able to truly trust in many other producers hmm. I've worked with so it's really nice to be able to rely on that and for you singer songwriters out there working with producers I know you know what I mean by that um, you don't want to feel like you're just one more client and they're pushing this out and their their mind is already on to the next artist you really want to feel like when you're in that room this is the only thing that matters and you yes. do a great job of making me feel that way oh thank you yeah. I think it was Marcus Mumford who had a lyric that said 
where, and I'm probably messing it up, but I think it was like where you spend your, your love is where you spend your life. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like we have our attention and our focus and our being present. And yeah, you have to, you have to bring all of that to me. If, if you're ever going to do something worthwhile where you look back on it and it makes you so happy, you had to put all of that in it. And so I've definitely figured that out, but I've overthought a lot too. There was one time I was working with, um, or I was going to go write with basically my mentor, one of my musical heroes. And I stayed up the entire night in the hotel room trying to just prepare ideas. Wow. I mean, overthinking it majorly. To make it seem like you were improving. No, in- no, no. Not to do that, but okay. just, just to come in with something that I could offer Okay, that gotcha. I felt like he would be excited about. And I, and I was so, it was such a formalness in my thinking about how that was going to go. Mm. And I stayed up all night long, which obviously one of the best things you can ever do is get great sleep yeah. and rest your mind and clear your head and, um, and even just do other things, go on walks, be in nature, talk to your family. It's not all th- those things actually end up having a greater yield sometimes creatively yes. than overthink musically overthinking. A hundred percent. And I woke up the next day, we went to his house, um, in LA and, you know, and of course I'm thinking like two minutes into walking in the studio, we're going to be working. And instead he just makes tea and a bunch of us sit out and play chess for a few hours. Really? Yes. And it was so disarming. Wow. And it was so like, almost like it didn't even matter if we did anything that day other than just spend time together and all of us, you know, break bread and enjoy each other's company. And then by the time you know, in his wiz- in his wizardry, now I understand what he was doing, but he was basically resetting everyone, wherever everyone came in from. He was resetting everyone to a to a neutral place. That's so genius. Where then we could go in the studio and we could do something. And I'll never forget that. So even now, I don't, ideas happen all the time. And I think it's a big, I mean, for any producers out there, I think it's, or really writers, it's a big deal to, we have iPhones now, we have voice memos. You can even heart the voice memos. You can yes. swipe to the right a little bit and heart, which is a total game changer. <laughs> but I'm really big on, I wasn't good at this until I had thousands of voice memos that weren't titled and oh gosh. overwhelmed me. So now I'm really, it's not perfect science, but I have folders on my desktop, you know, sorted by genre or which friend sent the idea or there's kind of a few criteria. Um, and I try to stay. So there's always ideas. I can always go look in those folders and pull something out. Um, but I would say most of the time, I think it's the best when something is sparked in the room. Okay. I agree with that. I think sometimes, cause we even messed with an idea. Um, another writer friend of mine had generated, we'd, yes. we'd start messing with it and it's an amazing song. <laughs> it really is. Um, you know, and maybe we'll get back to that at some point, but it really is. It's like actually what we got in the room mm-hmm. and cracked open together. Yeah. You know, but it just takes such a, you know, an honesty, like even more, I, I don't know. I think I've had a lot of insecurity about, I focus so much on what I can't do musically and the older I get, I'm like, what a big waste of time that is. Wait, say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> like <laughs> I, so good. people in the back, I just think that I, I had a lot of, like, it would always bother me. I grew up being able to sight read, but I was always stronger with my ear training. Same. And it always, I always felt like I didn't really know something if I couldn't just instantly sight read it. I and that's, so agree with that's that. That's crazy. It is crazy. That's but literally it, crazy. Yes. We've made three songs and I've not thought about, I often forget about what key they're in. Yeah. I forget how to play them for a second. I have to kind of figure it out again, but it actually leaves you way more imaginary. Yes. You know, cause it's not, 
you know, back in the day, okay, maybe if you can't read, you know, in, in the Beethoven days, if, right. you, if you can't read, you, you forget your ideas. Yes. Um, so I think that, um, I think that with the modern technology, especially, um, I like working in logic, a little trick for producers. And there's a, there's a capture recording. It's not, it's a record button, but you have to go in and turn it on. It's not on by default, but it's basically, it sets the logic to where it's always recording. So let's say that we're just playing along, you know, I'm, the track is playing and I'm on some instrument, software instrument, I'm playing along. And then I'm like, Oh man, I did something amazing. I could never remember it. I could never do that again. All I do is hit that and it pulls back the last thing that I played. Oh, so good. And so that's kind of how I record a ton of stuff. It's way more intuitive. It's way more, I think Timbaland actually, I didn't really understand how incredible he is. Um, I think it was billboard recently came out with the top producers of the first part of the this hundred years or something like that, or the 20 years. Um, and he was number six, I think, which is just incredible. And what I've noticed about him is he's, he's one of the people almost more than anyone that can inject human emotion Mm. into a track. Interesting. You know, whatever, like there's no technology barrier. He'll literally go up to a mic and just, (laughs) he'll make a sound (laughs) and then they'll turn that into like a hi-hat or they'll turn that into a something, but he just like spills his guts all over everything in such an emotive kind of reckless, like primitive almost. Yeah. Like exactly way. And that's what we create. You know, that's what the human spirit actually wants to hear. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so that's kind of, there's just been a lot of things like that that have changed my thinking about it doesn't have to be so intense theoretical. And it's almost like the further I get away from that, actually the, the more stuff just keeps working. Well, you did that today even actually. We were you were in the middle of mixing one of the vocal takes or something and I was uh clicking my heels to the beat and you stopped and you're like, "What is that?" And I was like, "I'm, I'm I don't know." And he's like, "Blake goes, "Can you can you move the mic down to your feet and do that again?" And and it's literally like our favorite sample now of the whole song. Yes. This boot clicking thing against the wood. Yes. <laughs> it's it was almost like it had like a horse trot tone to it. Yeah, <laughs> but it was done in a really modern way. And then, so I just, I think that's, and I think that, um, music education and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm torn on this because I think on the one hand, it's very good for kids to be, um, insulated in a more formal classical, whether it's vocal, violin, piano. I remember mm-hmm. my parents, they were like, you can do violin or piano, but you have to pick one. Okay. And, um, I think that it's, the music education system, I have a hard time with it because I think that it kind of leaves people in the middle. It kind of leaves people like they're getting, they're in band, they're in orchestra, they're getting some of that um, traditional teaching, but then they have to, I mean, we have logic, we have, there's so many things that don't even cost anything. You can go get offline and literally learn about all the frequency spectrums. You can learn about, you know, how to cut what frequency to get the, you know, effect of, whatever, you know, like a telephone sound or whatever else. And I mean, kids should be able to know that kids should know, Oh yeah, just notch it down to eight K and it'll sound like that or notch, you know, if you yeah. want to, if you want to sound underwater, notch it down to like one, take all the high end over one K off. You know, there's just things like that, that, um, I just hope that there's a way, you know, I know iPads and a lot of this stuff, but you know, for a lot of people, it's like embrace technology and don't feel like just because you can't chart it all out perfectly and in a classical setting that it's not extremely powerful music 
and valuable that most people will probably resonate with. That's such good words, such good words spoken from someone with actual life experience and a lot of success. So actually from last Some week, success. A, a lot of success. He's so humble. Quincy Jones successful. Oh my God. <laughs> So are you. So actually, from last week to this week's podcast, I got a really a, a few questions, but this one was interesting to me. And I wanted to ask you this question. So is there any opportunity that you had to say no to that that made no sense for you to say no to? Oh, yes. OK, yes. give me an example. So much of this whole journey has been faith. I've actually realized that like you, you really do. I know people say like you operate in faith or fear. It literally is one or the other. Like yeah. you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. And um, there's been so many times, almost every project, there's just something where I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I didn't get the perfect BPM for that song and now it's too late to change it. And they you know, it's almost all those things in the end came out great. And it wasn't, it was just kind of a, so I think the faith aspect of it can often leave you doing things that feel very counterintuitive to logic. And one time I was, uh, full time with, um, Mr. West and there was a plane going to Paris. This was March. I forget the exact date, but it was the first week of March, 2020. Oh, and I was in Calab Calabasas, um, in the main office there working and everybody was packing up to go to Paris for the Yeezy fashion show. And right at that time, Brittany, my wife is sending me articles about how this thing called coronavirus is spreading through Italy. And there were a lot of fashion shows in Italy just prior to, to Paris where people were putting on these shows for empty auditoriums wow. or, or empty because they were shutting things down, but so much money had gone into putting them on that they still went through with them. Maybe wow. for, they were streaming online or, and so I had a plane, I had a, I had a seat on the plane. I had a hotel room and I ended up saying I couldn't go to Paris with Kanye West. <laughs> and they all went, they all went. And, um, wow. And I think, it's just one of those things and it's there's you can overanalyze the outcome of that decision. But at the end of the day, it was, you know, my wife just said, I, I just have a feeling that you need to not go on this trip. And uh, sure enough, the outbreak just took over the world. And um, unbelievable, the discernment of your wife. And I mean, if I were in that position, to be honest, I probably would be like, babe, I'll be fine. I'll see you when I get back. Like, I don't know if I could have done that. So. That's I, incredible. First of all, she has unreal discernment and um, that's been such a blessing. But also it really depends on, I think that if you're in the habit of having to make those kind of decisions all the time on faith, things that feel very extreme and, you know, we're, we're so, it feels like we're so far off out from the shore. Yeah. What do we do? And that's our family most of the time. I mean, we're most of the time we're making those kind of decisions. And so that just felt like one of many Okay. At, in that moment, it didn't feel like where now we talk about it and it sounds like this historic moment in time, you know, in that moment, you don't know. True. You know, I was probably short on sleep and. <laughs> uh, and As usual. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it ended up being, you know, I think the right decision, but, um, and the, I think the fashion show, all that st still went great. That performance of Sunday service in Paris is one of the best ever. It was wow. the choir and a piano. Wow. And I was really heartbroken to not be there, but, um, but there was a reason, even if you never know it, you know, sometimes, sometimes, even though it looks like you missed out on something, 
And just because everything else around was fine, it there may have been something in regards to you that may not have been. And and that's just that's just the way God works. You never know. And you don't yes. need to, you know. Yes. That's so good. Um, as you guys can tell, Blake uh, does not mind swimming upstream, and he is a man of wisdom and integrity. And he he's just such a master at carrying that over, not just in his personal life, but into his music. So I just want to thank you so much, Blake, for imparting that wisdom to our listeners today and for being not just a great producer, but a great friend as well. You you rock my world. Thank you so much. This has been such a treat. You're You're probably the most humble best singer that combination of someone that has that can sing the way you do and you're so you treat everyone so kind uh i think we were both i was trying to kind of white glove everything in the beginning like make sure you had (laughs) yeah all of your you know teas or fruit or whatever it is that you needed and um i think eventually you were like i think you're more high maintenance than i am (laughs) because (laughs) you really are are so chill and it's it's been a cool thing like um, we're in a studio we're, we're, we're using it in like the total wrong way. Like if you were to set up the most opposite way you could in a professional studio, that's how we're set up. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's been so fun because Tara's just very open and trusting. Like she, you know what you want, but you're very, you've really trusted like letting kind of me and my zany way of doing this and adapting to it. And, um, so I think this music is going to be pretty um pretty beautiful i'm super excited with your mad scientist geekery that you pull off over there on your makeshift table yeah guys so we're in we're in the live room which is not where you're supposed to be when you're tracking these things but the couch was so cool and the lamps were so great and there's like grass on the walls and so we're like we're gonna be in here and that's what it is and it is true blake when we first met he he was like basically asking me for a list of well what would you what would you like to have you know ready for you at the (laughs) studio and i'm like what do you mean like you want me, you want to like a microphone? Yeah. Like t- what kind of tea specifically and what kind of honey? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so not me. So this time around he came down and and because I knew if he was asking me picky questions, it's probably because he was picky. I went to Whole Foods and I got all those things for him. You did. It's been, it's been a healthy week. It's been a, he has his teas and his honeys and his lemon. So, Which I've had about 12 cups of Yes, in the past few hours. All the tea. You got to keep your producer happy, guys. Happy producer, happy music. It's just the way it works. And I know where my bread is buttered. So Blake, once again, buddy, thank you so much for being on, guys. I hope you enjoyed these past two weeks of amazing wisdom dropping from Blake and it won't be the last time he's on this podcast for sure. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Guys, this was Truth with Tara, talking shop with Blake Kanika. Hope you enjoyed it and I will see you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to Truth with Tara. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future podcast episodes, don't hesitate to email info at tarasimonstudios.com. Yeah, I know that you don't get-